0: Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world, riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon.
1: Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you to Part 8 of in our continuing series, Marks of a Living Church. Today's message begins with a simple statement from 1 John chapter 4. If someone says, I love God, and hates his neighbor, he is a liar. How do we love someone who irritates us? Can we dislike an annoying person and still be good with Christ as Lord and Savior?
0: Love your neighbor like yourself. So... This love that we must abide in, it's love in action, not words. Second, we learn from scripture that the Bible commands how we must love each other. And the problem is that John says, Listen, if you're fighting with this and you feel like you're loving, but you don't feel like loving, it's not a matter of who. We're talking about the object of your love. We're talking about the subject of who's doing the loving. The problem rests within me, not my neighbor. He says, He who does not love, in, in 1 John, he who does not love does not know God because God is love. Very logical, he says. 1 John 4, 20, if someone says, I love God, people say, I'm a Christian, I love, I love God and the creation and all that, but man, that Mike, I can't stand, it. let me tell you all the things he's done wrong to me, and he's got a long list, I can't stand that guy. Well, the Bible says, if someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, bottom line, you're a liar, you're lying yourself. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? How can I say I love God when I don't live for God? How can you say I I love God, I want to be with Jesus for eternity when I've got all of the list of things I must do instead of being in church, being in the life group, being with the fellowship, being with the people that are needing my presence to be an encouragement to them? It's awakening when you think of it that way. But here's what the Bible says. We read, 59 different times in scripture the phrase of dealing with one another how to live and deal with one another and Most of these deal with loving, and and the different description actually defines what it means, what this love looks like in a practical sense. Here are the biblical, and I say living commandments because they're not outdated or they're not forgotten. They relate to you and me right now. Thirteen times love one another. And even that would ask the question, what does that mean? Well, the other ones begin to explain it. 13 times in the Bible, says I got to love you. And don't even think about, oh yeah, and you got to love me. Forget that part. Oh no, don't think about that. We have that tendency. We got to love me too. No, my, my job is to love you. And that's it. God will take care of the rest. For if you do not reciprocate that kind of love that my heart needs, guess who fills my heart? The Holy Spirit. Right? Here we go. Pray for one another. How much time do you spend throughout the week thinking of Shirley, thinking of Lorena, thinking of Dan, and saying, oh, Lord, by the way. And then again, so many of you, including myself, we can say, God wakes you up at night for one reason or another. You're like, okay, Lord, who am I praying for, right? And you begin to pray for people at that very moment. You don't know what's going on. It may be the Holy Spirit. Calling you to be a partaker in ministering to them through prayer. Pray for one another. And please go beyond, Lord, be with Bob. And the Lord says, yeah. And Lord, be with Jay. No, no, no. Let's not, let's, we didn't finish with Bob. What should I do with Bob? Oh, Lord, yes, please. And, and let him be a blessing to Marnie. Lord, answer their prayers for their children and, and granddaughter. Lord, be with... And begin to pray and mediate on their behalf. But to do that, I need to know Bob. That abiding means understanding and knowing people, not being so busy with what we want, when we want it, that now I know what to pray for. Like the song says, to know me is to, well that was a prideful man saying that, but he said, to know me is to love me. You won't love anybody if you don't know them. If you're renting the church, you're coming and going and you nitpick at the things that are not in accordance to your expectations. That's not love. That's renting and judging and expecting a return on your investment. Pray for one another. Let me go faster because this is just the beginning. We'll we'll be here forever. We take every one of them. Look at this. Bear each other's burdens. When it's too heavy for your shoulders, and you're like, oh, i got to carry some more, yes, bury each other's burdens, know each other's pains, confess your faults to one another. That's a different, deeper level that unless you know, unless you're willing to sacrifice for, you're not going to confess nothing to anybody. That's a level of connection when this family really is a protective family, a lifting up family, a standing in the gap family. Now you can confess. Because you know you won't be judged. But you'll know, hey, uh, your problem, we're just both in the same foxhole fighting the same enemy. So I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to help you not fall again. Forgive one another. If you're confessing, you better be forgiving. Be kind to one another. That's where the heart comes in. That's where the emotions. Be kind and patient and listen to each other. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Beyond words, by presence, by listening, you're encouraging, you're showing, you're caring. And, and your life is not going into the dark and the mist that nobody knows. You're caring, you're encouraging just by standing next to someone. Bear one other's burdens. And the, and the book goes on in Romans 12, be devoted to one other in brotherly love. And if you're devoted, you're instructing one another. Romans 15, have equal concern for each other. 1 Corinthians 12, serve one another in love. Galatians 5.13, teach one another. Colossians 3, spur one another toward love and good deeds. Hebrews 10, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Interesting phrase there. Oh, i got to do it again. No, without grumbling. Open your houses, 1 Peter 4. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve one another. And the list goes on. How must I live as a believer? Here it is. Your task is full. And all of this will bring you such joy that you cannot purchase anywhere. You see, this is the definition of loving one another as our lives blend even bleed we will infuse our neighbors with the gospel as we carry we unburden we support we forgive we open up look at uh, john 13:34 a new commandment i give you because they had 630 some commandments from the 10 they got from the lord and through moses they added 620 more And Jesus says, listen, all of that, all those commandments, you're confused. Let me give you a new commandment. That you love one another, even as I have loved you. That you also love one another. So, when I come to your house, I'm loving you. you come to my house, you're loving me. When we work together, we're loving each other by putting strength side to side. When we gather to worship, we're loving God. We're loving each other because we're not going to leave each other alone. By this, all will know. Oh, you want the church to grow spiritually and numerically? You want children and grandchildren spiritually? Love each other like a husband and wife would, and they'll have children because they love each other. Same thing, when the church loves each other, all will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So, as I understand and I decide to dedicate myself to a life group, I'm showing love Because uh, the life group will be founded on God's Word, so I want to know more about God. I love God, so I'm going to go there to get more of God's feeding for my soul. But also, it's built upon my love for my brothers and sisters. not going to let them be alone. I'm going to show up, because I love you. Though I may attend for the breaking of the heavenly bread, receiving a lesson from God's Word, I will not be absent. Because my dedication will be an encouragement to somebody else. Support, love, getting to know you. That's love and living for the Lord. Lastly, what are some of the practical life blessings of being part of this first century church, transformational church that gathers as one in many places as a life group? Look at the practical life blessings. Hebrews 10.25 is the commandment that trumps all of the other laws this land can ever will ever give and other countries do. Do not forsake our own assembling together. There are no lists, no caveats or exceptions on one we cannot meet. Not the weather, not the sickness, not the money, nothing. Do not forsake our own assemblings together as the habit of some. That's the reality. People ask me, how come there's no more, not more people at the Zoom life group? People make decisions. And I remember when God said, if you've tasted that the Lord is good, how should you live your life? Do not forsake your assembling together as the habit of somebody, encouraging one another. When you get together, you are an encouragement that they're not alone. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, what day? The day of trouble, the day of judgment. It's here. So, this verse is more essential than ever that we would gather. It's always been the Lord's desire and prayer that we would be one. Look at John 17 20. I don't ask on these alone, on the behalf of these alone, talking to the Father, the Heavenly Father. Jesus says, For them, but for those who believe me through their word. In other words, He's praying for us and all of those believers from the first century to today. What? That they all may be one. In thought and action and presence and joy and suffering and crying, that we would be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that also may be one. That they may, that so that the world may believe that you sent me. So a critical purpose point of people believing the gospel that we're preaching and teaching is that we would exemplify it by being one in the lives that we live, the ministry that we have, in helping each other, in guiding each other, I I find no greater joy besides counseling and leading someone to deliverance of whatever chain is to see people get jobs. And that's why I want to be connected to so many business people. When I hear someone needs a job, I got a place for you. The church can help, guide, and direct. That's the church. We're family. We can't sleep at night if they don't have Good health or a job or whatever they're going through, we care enough to be implicated. What does it mean to be one and how do we achieve that? And Jesus cried out and he remember he was in the shadow of Jerusalem and he cried out, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and and stones, those who are sent to you, how often I wanted to gather, gather like a hen, the children together, the way a hen, her chicks under her wings, and you did not want it. That desire of being together in the Lord and for the Lord. Here's a couple of blessings that we receive from the Lord as we will begin to live life outside of these walls as a church in a missional direction of ministry in everything we do in our community and for this community. Number one, there's joy and there's freedom in discovering togetherness that you're a part of and that you're accepted and that you're loved. As you begin to walk this path with others, you learn that you're not alone. When you spend time with other people, you begin to see their finer points. Oh, I never knew you used to do that. And you're doing this. Oh, my goodness. And the Lord helped you in this situation. He did it in my situation as well. You begin to know people beyond the hello, how are you? I'm fine. See you later. You get to know their lives. You get to have empathy with what they've been dealing with. And you say, oh, but but God will be there with you. You're also able to see their flaws. That's a different chapter, isn't it? Someone said, everybody is normal until you get to know them. (laughs) Isn't that funny? It's good to know that we're not alone in our flaws. Remember, only Jesus is perfect. And why do we expect perfection from anybody else? I mean, I thought I was perfect until yesterday. We're supposed to meet for the uh, Idaho Prayer Breakfast. I told everyone to be at church at five minutes to seven. So I went home. I set my alarm. I did everything right. With one hour later, I got at d- Dan's house at seven forty, and I was perfectly okay because that's how I set my alarm. Wake up at six twenty or six o'clock. Get ready and so on and so forth. And and, and Dan says, "Well, where where are you? Because we're already here. We're at the event." And I'm oh my. I just goofed, didn't I, big time. Never planned on it, but there it is. With the family, it's okay. Yes, he reminded me today church was at 10 o'clock, just to make sure. We help each other that way. We understand each other in our flaws and mistakes. When we become connected, we will frequently phone each other and text each other throughout the week. And you'll discover that your needs and problems are not unique. We're all in the same boat. That's what we call a fellowship, right? We know that. It helps to know that others are facing same difficulties or lived them and can encourage us that we'll make, through, make it through just fine. And they learn spiritual principles in the process. And they experience victory and redemption. And now that we're going through it, they're alongside. Second, As we become part of this deepening group and family, there's strength and support in building new relationships. We are assisted and helped, not only by God, by the people that love us, which we didn't know that they love us. At the same time, if we meet only for a few weeks or a few times a week, does not necessarily translate to a lifelong relationship because we just met. It takes time. Relationship takes time, but it lasts a lifetime. They're built on dedication. Think of Jesus and the 12. They did everything together. They studied together. They ate together. They fished together. Life groups are not just about studying the Bible together. It's about doing doing life together, being there for each other. To handle the stresses of life, life groups provide excellent support in times of crisis Stability, change, and stress. At those times, we get a sense of stability, security, knowing that there's people there who really care for you and step in, and they will walk you through it. Someone said, there's three things in common that we have. We are either in a crisis, or coming out of a crisis, or about to go into a crisis. You've seen life deal with you that way, right? Some are in a crisis, some of you are coming out of a crisis, and some of you don't know but are about to go into a crisis. Who's there for you? Jesus, with His family and bride, the church. One of the benefits of being part of a life group is that there's always someone there to be there for you. Quotes Dale Carnegie on how do I make these friends and how do I become a part of this family and get along. Well, he's got five points real quick. Become generally interested in other people. People don't care how much you know until they know that you care, how much you care. You've heard this, right? Second, he says, smile. If you want to draw others to you, light up your face with a smile and people will draw near. Three, remember the names. A person's name is the sweetest, the most important sound to that person. Four, be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Talk in terms Five, talk in terms of other people's interests, not your own. Treat others the way that they want to be treated. As this relationship gets deep, when something else happens. Number three, there will be a discovery of the treasure of trust. You can't buy trust. You can rent a bunch of things, but trust is so valuable and so treasured and protected. People don't trust each other, but in a life that you spend time together when you begin to trust each other, you open up your heart, you begin to share burdens and pray for each other. One day, a long time ago, around the 70s, no, before the 70s, a teacher thought about teaching her class lessons that would last with them a lifetime. She would not know the response until many years later. And one day she told the classroom to take out a sheet of paper, and write the names of all the students in that class, and leave a space in between each name. And below each name, they're supposed to write some kind words, something nice that they observed about that person in the classroom. Think about that. As you look at Colleen, how many of you can write Something that you know nice about her, and we got to go beyond. Oh, I like your sweater. No, no, something about the character of Colleen. Do you know people in your life enough to say, you know what, I'm attracted to that personality? So they did. She collected the paper, and it took them the whole class. And as they, the students left the room, each one handed in the papers. That said, the teacher wrote down the name of each student on a separate sheet of paper and what everybody said about each individual person. On Monday, she gave him those sheets of paper with their names and all of the things that were said about them by everybody else in the class. Before long, the entire class was smiling. Really? She heard somebody whisper, I never knew that I meant anything to anyone. Someone said, I didn't know others liked me so much. Were more, more the, most of the comments that she read on those papers. No one mentioned those papers in class again. She never knew if they discussed it with each other after class or whatever happened with those papers. Several years later, one of the students in that class was killed in Vietnam in action. And the teacher attended the funeral. The church was packed with his friend's one by one, those who loved him took a last look at the coffin, and the teacher was last to do so. As she stood there, one of the pallbearers, one of the soldiers, came up to her and said, Were you Mark's math teacher? Yes. Mark talked about you a lot. After the funeral, most of Mark's former classmate, classmates went to a luncheon and they began to talk to her. Mark's mother and father were there, and they spoke to the teacher, said, We want you to know something. He took something out of, his, out of his wallet. He took a piece of paper, unfolded it. He removed these two pieces of warm paper as he told, told the teacher that this was so important to Mark. Thank you for doing that. You see, Mark treasured that paper that you had people write down. All of Mark's former classmates started to gather around. Charlie smiled and he said, I have my list still. It's in the trap drawer at my desk of my house. Then Vicky said, she took out the out of her wallet the paper and she said, I carry this with me all the times. Vicki and without batting an eyelash, she continued, I think we all saved your lists. That's when the teacher finally sat down and cried. She cried for Mark and all his friends that he would not see again. Tell the ones you love, tell them now how much you appreciate them. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. By all this, all will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus loved them Love this own who are in the world until the end. As you go home today, think of the different people in this church family. Have you told them how much you care and appreciate specifically for who they are? What they should mean to you? Wouldn't it be great if you wrote a note, you bought it next Sunday, and you gave it to people? Show that you love with your actions. Heavenly Father, You call us, Lord Jesus. You call us your bride. You call us your family, your children. Help us understand the value and the joy of love that you have when you look at us. And let us, Father, understand that what you've given us, each other as a family, is more important than anything in this world. And that we should live for you and for each other with our lives. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
1: As we believe, then you and I belong to Jesus. He's right here and we are his. And Jesus does not leave us. He equips us. He calls us to love our neighbor as ourself. We are to be his hands and feet to others. When was the last time you called someone just to go to coffee? Maybe even a difficult family member. When we stretch and invite Jesus in, he's right there encouraging and forgiving each other.
0: Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at Trinityefcboise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise would love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.